I'm Mike Vardy, and this is the Productivityist Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, productivity strategist and founder of Productivityist. Mike Vardy. And this week's episode is shorter than usual, which is kind of fitting because the person I'm conversing with is the co-founder of Blinkist, which is a service I use to get more reading done. It's kind of like a, a, a Cliff's Notes of reading. Uh, I use it to kind of preview the books that I want to might want to read later and buy full copies of. The co-founder's name is Sebastian Klein. And we wanted to talk about what they're doing at Blinkist in order to manage the entire roster of people that they're working with across the miles. And what they've adopted is the uh, model of holacracy, which has been in the news basically because uh, Zappos has adopted it. That's one of the things that kind of brought it to the limelight and brought it to the forefront. But what, again, in fitting fashion, the team at Blinkercy, or Blinkist has done rather, his Sebastian has co-authored a book called Blinkercy, which is basically a, I wouldn't say stripped down version of, of Holacracy, but it is um, a modified version of it. It's, it. It could even be considered abridged. Uh, but uh, I wanted to talk to him about the book itself, about what Blinkist does and how they've been able to scale in a way that you know makes sense without the hierarchical structure that follows traditional companies. So um, what you're going to hear over the next uh, you know 15 minutes or so is is a, a discussion that we have about Blockracy, Blinkracy, and Blinkist in general. So I hope you enjoy the show. And here is my conversation with Sebastian Klein of Blinkist here on the Productivityist Podcast. I have Sebastian Klein with me. He is uh, the co-founder of Blinkist, which I'm, I think you, if you've been listening to the show, you've heard me mention before. I know you've heard me mention it before. It's it's one of my my prime reading tools when it comes to my reading workflow. Um, and he also uh, he, he he's a thinker. And he, you know, he he's into personal and organizational productivity, and I'm really happy to have him on the show. Sebastian, thanks for joining me today on the Productivityist Podcast. Thanks for having me. So you're based in Germany here in Berlin. That's where Blinkist is. Now, for those who have not heard of Blinkist, can you give me like the quick elevator pitch as to what it is? I've always described it as like the the uh, the ability to read a, a good deal of nonfiction books and distill the most quality information out of it. I often use it to decide whether or not I want to buy the book in full as well. So kind of like those old listening stations that you used to see in HMVs and stuff where you'd go in and you'd you'd find a, a song. You knew that this band had a great single, but you didn't know if you wanted to buy the whole album. Uh, and then you'd go in and listen and go, okay, you know what? The album's good. I'll buy it. Or, oh, you know what? The rest of the album's not so good. I'm, I'm not going to buy it. So why don't you give uh, – I may have just done that elevator pitch, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you did most of it. Thanks. Um, but just very briefly, we here at Linkist, when we founded the company or before we founded, we were all big fans of those business books that help you understand how you can be a better marketer or a better leader or like more productive in your work. And we all noticed that those books are great and there's always something to learn from them, but it's really hard to, to read them, especially if you have a busy lifestyle and long tons of responsibilities. So we were looking for basically a personal reading assistant, someone who's reading those books for you and just shares the most important insights. And since there was nothing like that around, we just decided to do it ourselves and started summarizing those books, distilling them into key messages, into like 10, 12-minute summaries, and started building apps that provide you with um, written summaries, but also audio versions of those summaries. Yeah, and that's what we've been doing for three years now. Um, so far, we got a 1,000 books in our apps, 
and a couple hundred Altus audio versions. And Blinkist for Teams, as we've as we're recording this, is a fairly new uh, component where basically you can buy a package of Blinkist, like a, a subscription for your entire team, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's based on feedback we got just just a couple of months ago. We were in the US, talked to many startups in San Francisco, especially, and got the feedback that many of them were interested in re relaunching something like a book club with their teams. Like everybody has to read a certain book, and then they could discuss it. But they all said it's unrealistic to do that with real books because how many people are able to just read a book in just a couple of weeks or so? And they said it would be great to have something like Blinkist for a team so they could just share share an account and also share reading lists together and just launch something like a book club, but about summaries, about just the key messages of books. Now, it, it, we talk about teams, and one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about uh, uh, this this week on the show is uh, teams itself, managing teams. I mean, Blinkist is, how big is the team at Blinkist? We're now around 20 employees, but we have a big pool of like 60, 70 freelancers who are, like, especially in our content production, we have people reading the books, writing the summaries, narrating the summaries, like doing the fine-tuning in terms of language and grammar. So yeah, that's 20 full-time employees and a huge pool of freelancers. So adopting, um, managing those people and using some kind of, uh, you know, project management or, or uh, team management uh, approach was was a challenge for you guys and and you adopted one that's been in the news quite frequently over the past well as we're recording this it's been in the news uh, more so because Zappos uh Tony Shea basically said you know get in or get, like it or lump it get in or get out <laughs> this is this is what we're going to go with managing passwords can be a real headache right think about it every website requires a new password each one needs to be unique secure and somehow memorable but there's a better way Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productiveconvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. 
It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. So you guys have adopted um, Holacracy, right? Or at least uh, you've, you've, you've modified it. But for those who don't know what Holacracy is, can you give us, uh, uh, again, I'll let you explain it because I mean, you've got the team and why, why it's worked for you. But I'd like you to kind of dive in and say, hey, what, this is what Holacracy is and, and why it, it, it's perhaps the... the the best way to manage, start managing teams, especially teams across the miles. Mm-hmm. So I'm a very big fan of getting things done, the productivity system, and I think it's, it's a very comprehensive system, something that allows you as an individual to organize yourself. And holacracy is basically getting things done for organizations. So a system that doesn't need a manager, like no one who's directing people, and just a system, or they also call it a a software for organizations or a social software. So a comprehensive system that just allows a group of people to be uh, very efficiently working together for a shared purpose. And um, it's, it can be quite complex to explain the details, but the overall idea is that you just you get rid of managers and just replace them by um, a process that goes from defining a purpose into clustering accountabilities into roles, then assigning people to those roles, giving them clear like uh, clear, um, clear, processes, how they govern themselves and how they organize themselves to get work done. And yeah, I think yeah, the best summary is to say it's getting things done for teams. Now, getting things done, which, you know, I've, I've had David on the show before, and I, I mean, he, I, I love the model. Obviously, I've, I've moved on a little bit from it as, as I've talked about, but uh the thing about GTD is that, and Holacracy is kind of the same. You just said it's it's complicated to explain, um, you know, and get into. Is that uh, is that why maybe uh, when when you see a company like Zappos adopt it, it kind of pushes it to the forefront because a lot of people have jumped into it because of the nature of how how it can be a little bit taxing on companies to kind of adopt it. It's on the one hand, it's an experiment because it's the first bigger company that uses that starts to adopt it. I think so right. far it was open mostly smaller companies and also usually companies that were more like close to their beginning, not, not already um, quite advanced. 
Um, and probably what you know about getting things done, I guess, is that it's more about a mindset. Like the actual model is very, uh, works very well. And mm -hmm. if you don't know much about it, it's good to use the whole system, but it's more about the mindset. And if you know the mindset, then you can just adapt the system to how you function yourself because like you will need different tools that I need because we have different issues for our productivity. And I think it's the same with holacracy, which is also why we, for example, in my team, I didn't go for the whole deal because it was too complex and not everybody was sure that it would be good to make this huge shift, which is why I tried to understand or like understand the mindset and understand the most important aspects of it and then looked at what are the key problems that I'm trying to solve in my team and which elements of holacracy can I use to solve them, which is why like we ended up writing an ebook about it. We called it Blinkracy because we said we don't want to throw everything away which is Blinkist and the culture and the productivity system that we already established implicitly. We wanted to keep the good path and just replace the bad path or the malfunctioning path with what Holacracy had to offer. And then yeah, we merged this into this thing that we call Blinkracy. So tell me about some of the, the, I don't want you to obviously throw everything out there because I want people to pick up the book because it's free, right? They can pick up the, they can either read it on Blinkist, of course. Uh, that, that's where, you, that's probably the, the best place to read it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, can you give us an idea of what elements of Holacracy you found that were challenging that you adapted for Blinkracy? So for us, when, when I started thinking about it, which was about one and a half years ago, I saw that our, our team had, even though like we started as a, of course, we were a startup, we started with just four people. Um, none of us had any like real experience in managing a team or like being a leader. Um, so what happened is that we, we basically copied something that we had seen before in the corporate world like a hierarchy with, with a structure where like teams might fight for resources, might not give every, give the other teams full transparency or share all the information that they should. So like, I was not super happy with seeing that we developed into something that looked very corporate. And I thought that one of the main, like one of the reasons was that, that there was a good management system in place. Um, there were many, many implicit expectations, which is something quite usual for, for a startup. Um, and so like one of the simplest elements of holacracy is are these roles. So you set up like basically you throw out all the people and job descriptions and jobs. You sit down and just try to cluster all the accountabilities, meaning that all all the like recurring activities that have to happen so the company can keep going and can fulfill its purpose. You cluster them into roles. Like, for example, it could be content selection could be one role and certain accountabilities are in there, researching all the books that are out there and making a short list, getting customer feedback on it and so forth. And that's then just the role. There's no face to it. It can be assigned to a person, but it's first of all, it's just something that is characteristic for the organization. And in this role, every accountability is made very explicit, meaning that like... If I, I, I can never sit, sit there and say, I'm, I'm expecting something from you, which is not there on paper or in our shared system. So both me and the person who holds that role, we have, either have to have the same expectation about what, what I can count on this role, or we have a tension, which then can be, uh, can be taken care of in terms of changing that role or creating a new role. Um, so yeah, these, these roles, it always sounds, it almost sounds like a no-brainer, but creating mm. this explicitness is something extremely helpful to, to, yeah, to be more efficient in a team. 
And like you said, it's best to start this when the team is kind of small. And one of the reasons I think that this is, is kind of key is uh, holacracy in general requires a lot more meetings, or at least requires a different type of meetings, right? Um, one of the things you mentioned in your book is that you, when you adopted this, that some of the effects was you had more meetings. Now, some people are going to go, what? More meetings? But <laughs> but wait a minute. Hold on a second. I, I mean, Mike, you did an entire episode where you talked about like how meetings can be the bane of existence and stuff like that. And and you know what? If they're there, there's definitely the propensity for that. But why? Mm-hmm. Why do meetings work better under the model of blinkracy or, or, or holacracy or blinkracy, whichever way you want to uh, approach it? So there's a couple of things. If you think about getting things done, the analogy here is that you would say, on the one hand, getting things done always wants you to have this trusted system, like a bunch of lists where you collect, where you collect all the items that will be processed at some point. And you have these different layers in terms of something is action-related, really like projects, next actions. Other things are on a, on a higher level, meaning, for example, talking about a purpose or goals. And in Holacracy, you just do this as teams. So there's always, or I mean, in Holacracy, you would always um, build those lists on the fly. What we did in Blinkercy is just we created lists where people could capture stuff, knowing that then later, like capture stuff, not something that I just had in my mind, but stuff which I know I have to decide other people, or I need input from other people, or I need like a, I can't make the decision because I don't own the domain that uh, it relates to. And I know I can just write it down and then the right group will sit together and make a decision about this is something we need to make a new project about. Is this a good idea that should be turned into an action for someone? Is this a new role we have to create? And yeah, you do have more meetings initially, but those meetings are super efficient because everybody comes in the room, not just thinking like, oh God, I hope today there will be no major problems, but knowing, okay, today we're talking about governance, meeting, meaning that we talk about do we have to change roles. But I, I enter the room knowing what exactly we're going to talk about. Nobody can just claim the meeting for something, a topic that they brought or something that is completely off, um, off the agenda. And that, yeah, it's, it's usually pretty hard to describe, but if you see the practice, you're surprised at how quickly a team can then make really good decisions and like change even fundamental things without very long discussions. So, when it comes down to adopting, uh, you know, an approach like this, whether it's uh, holacracy as a whole or what you've done, which I think, like you said, a lot of people take like existing approaches, whether it's GTD, Agile, Scrum, I mean, the now your formula, which is what I've been working on, and they can adapt certain aspects of it. So in your case, it'd be Blinkracy. What what uh, size or, or level of organization or, or at what stage should an organization really look at adopting something like this? The, the sooner the better. If you if you start a company using this approach, that's of course the most efficient way. Um, other than that, I would say you can do it at any size of organization, but I would always suggest starting testing it with a smaller team. That's also what what Zappos did, by the way. We did that. I just did it with one team in the whole company, tested it, like basically created this guinea pig experiment. And what usually happens is if you choose your team well and do it well then um, people in the team will really like it and they will start talking about it. And then other teams will say, hey, we heard about this new thing. And they will start requesting, hey, we want to run our teams on that too, which means that like they have a buy-in. And that's the most important part anyway, because yeah, maybe something that you can see at Zappos or other companies is that if not the whole company really knows why, why they're doing this, then it might be trickier to do it than when everybody really has a buy-in. 
Right. And that's, I think that's the key. And I know you mentioned in the book that you get like one person to kind of, or one team to kind of play with it. And then they see the results and it goes, and this, I think this also goes for tools too. I've seen it when, you know, I did a workshop and Asana, Asana was the, 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 team uh, the uh, app that they were using and and I they said I can't give them the rest of the team to use it. I'm like well just use it with a smaller team and 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 you know show the results that are happening and then eventually they're going to come around because they're going to see the results like the 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 quantity and quality of the results will matter and 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 based on what you've shown and by the way in the book and I highly encourage everybody to pick up the book because it's a brisk read it really the thing about a system like this is that uh and we we were talking about this is that it it can be really abstract and it, it 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 may seem complex in its for, forefront, but you do a really great job of in in the in the in the book in thirty one pages no less of saying here's what it is, here's what holacracy is, here's what we did with it, here's how to implement it, and here are the results. And that's that's what you want. And, it, and it's kind of funny because the way you've you've structured the book is exactly the kind of way that you structure blinks in Blinkist, really. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so you're walking the walk. But uh, Sebastian, thanks so much for taking the time to be uh, on the show today. Where can people find you if they uh, are looking online? Uh, me personally, you can find me on Twitter, on, on LinkedIn. And of course, just check out Blinkist.com to find out more about what we're doing here as a company. Thanks so much, uh, Sebastian, for joining me this week on the Productivityist Podcast. Thank you very much. Big thanks to Sebastian Klein for joining me this week on the podcast. Head to the show notes. You can learn more about Holacracy there as well as Blinkist and why you might want to give it a try. I've been using it for quite a while right now and actually I'd say at least a year and I love it. Uh, It's part of my regular reading workflow. Check that out as well as the book Blinkracy. You can get all that through the show notes on the through iTunes or even at the uh, podcast website or uh, through the blog post that's now we're now posting at Productivityist every single week. Now, If you are a Patreon supporter, or if you were a Patreon supporter, then you would be getting an additional 30 minutes of content, 30 plus minutes of content on this episode alone, because podcast producer John Polstra and I decided to talk about how he makes teamwork work within the team he works with, and we kind of talk about making teamwork work in general. So if you are a Patreon supporter and already are, you know, you're listening to this episode, head over to the Patreon page. Productivityist, uh, patreon.com rather slash productivityist. So patreon.com slash productivityist. And you can listen to not just what you just listened to, but also John and myself talk about making teamwork work uh, with our own respective teams. As I'm, I'm still working towards developing the team here at Productivityist, it's always good to kind of look at how others make teamwork work. Now, if you're not a Patreon supporter, you can rectify that really, really simply and easily and quickly. You could do that by going to patreon.com slash productivityist and pledging any dollar amount from $1 all the way up to the newly minted $100 support level, which gives you all of the other perk levels of support, plus uh, an upcoming t-shirt that we're working on delivered right to your mailbox. And uh, there is another new perk uh, as well, which is at the $25 level, and it is for a productivityist pack. Uh, so you, what would happen is you get everything from the $10 level and below, but you also would get a mailing every four months in September, in uh, January, and in May of a hand-picked selection of goodies that I uh, picked myself and curate, and, and you will get that sent to you uh, in your mailbox, no matter where you are, uh, because you are supporting the show. And uh, the nice thing is is that even if you were to do that right now, you would get something small in September. Basically, the way we're doing it is is based on how many months you've been supporting. That dictates the size of your productivity pack. Uh, every quarter, kind of re re uh, 
resets itself. Every four months, it resets itself. But you get the picture. Uh, imagine getting something from me in the mail. You can do that with a $25 uh, support at Patreon. And that's only going to be available to Patreon supporters at present. So there's no plans to take this outside of Patreon. So again, thanks so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about how to make teamwork work from Sebastian Klein. And if you're a supporter, then you know hopefully you get a little bit more from me and John. Until we get a chance to talk next week, I've got another exciting episode coming next week. I've actually got a lot of stuff scheduled. John and I were just talking about how much we've got scheduled up until basically December at this point. So there's lots going on. And uh, I know there's lots going on in your life. So I appreciate you joining me this week and each and every week in the past and in the future. Until we talk again next week, stop guessing. Start going. Keep moving things forward. Okay? We'll talk to you next week. Bye.